As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of One of These Years. Again, this is not the year for the Detroit Lions. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner, along with Colton Pouncey. Uh, Colton, of course, Lions with another disappointing loss uh, in Dallas. That, you know, we're going to talk about that in a minute here. Uh, that game showed us some things that I think were encouraging and then also showed us some things that I think we already knew that were discouraging and so on and so forth. But in any event, Colton, the Lions um, haven't found a way to, you know, sort of get this sour taste out of their mouth. And I guess we want to start this week with a uh, little visitor. Y'all had at practice, <laughs> yes, uh, on uh, Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, so walk us through it, Colton. Uh, what uh, what happened yesterday at practice? As we record here on Thursday, uh, midweek before uh, Lions Dolphins. Yeah, pretty interesting day. Um, <laughs> you know, Campbell spoke at noon, like he always does on on, on Wednesdays, and right. Uh, we get 20 minutes of practice usually, uh, depending on the day. Sometimes it's a random number, like 17. But <laughs> we got a full 20 minutes yesterday, and uh, we're out there. And honestly, I didn't really notice anything out of the ordinary at first. Um, I did mm-hmm. see, you know, Rod Woods was out there and uh, kind of walking around. I was like, okay, he's not usually out here. That's a little different. Um, you know, other than that, yeah. like practice went as usual. We're kind of they kick us out after 20 minutes. We're walking back. Um, to the media room, and all of a sudden, we get held up, and we're told that Sheila Ford Hamp is coming out, and we're just like, "All right, this is happening." <laughs> of course, yeah, right. And uh, it, it seemed like it was very much a planned thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she was kind of standing in the like indoor practice facility, kind of watching us from afar, and I was like, "All right, yeah, this is this is happening." Someone's talking, we're being, and we're being Sheila. targeted. Yeah, yes. Right. <laughs> It's a good day that I think there were a lot of people. That was a pretty packed day, so I don't. Yeah, you know. yeah no accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, she spoke and she started off by saying, you know, I just wanted to follow through with what I said initially that mm-hmm. I would be open and honest and available for you guys. So, so here I am. Um, right. I'm sure you have some questions for me, but she basically started <laughs> off by saying, "Look, I mean, I understand the frustration. I'm frustrated. The fans are frustrated. You know, she's like, you guys in the media are probably frustrated." I don't really care, but <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's like, you know what? This is a huge teardown. This is a, a full-on rebuild, um, and we're really like a third of the way through the season. Like, we're still very early in this process, and that's what I want people to understand. 
And I believe in the leadership at the top. And that was sort of, an in, you know, mm-hmm. to me, it was like a little unnecessary. I don't know if she really needs to come out and say all that. Yeah. And I don't know how much it actually helped because people are pissed off. And yeah. You're pissed off regardless of what you say or not. And I understand you want to be transparent and everything, but. You yeah, know, I think I, it was well intended. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well intended. I. It was obviously planned, um, and this is something that um, she's done this before. Uh, it's rare, but she has done this before. She did it during the Patricia Quinn era with the little reset thing that was a bigger deal than this. But that was when Martha was still around. But in any event, I agree with you completely. It just didn't seem like it was necessary at all. Um, and frankly, it it only brings up more frustration with, with fans. Uh, Chris actually said this yesterday when we were talking, like, they just do not want... I mean, no one... I think people are going to give Sheila a chance. I do. Yeah. I think a lot of people are still on board with that because she's the last forward here that's kind of taking a swing at the axe, more or less. The last one who's really trying to put herself all in on it. But, like, if you wanted to talk about this being a teardown, why didn't you Why didn't you talk more about that the day you traded Stafford? Why didn't you talk and tell about how long you thought this would take or how bad this had really gotten or how bad you guys had allowed this to get under Quinn and Patricia? They didn't do any of that. They didn't do any of that. They brought Goff in and they sort of hinted around the idea. Campbell went out and said pretty quickly, like as much as he could, like, guys, we're going to have to sign like UDFAs and play them. This is going to be rough. The front office, and they never said that. They were very concerned about tickets, as they always are. You know, we saw Hard Knocks come in here, and, you know, there's something to be said about this fan base's loyalty, and there are times where the Fords, not a few times, there are many times where the Fords are guilty of preying on that, and I think a lot of people probably feel that right now. Like, you you were sold a message from the organization, not necessarily from the coaching staff, but from the organization, that this team was going to compete, I guess. But when we're all here every day telling you that they're not, and then there's a disconnect and she wants to come out, stop. Like, that's that's where I'm just like, it's not necessary. It's not necessary. And there's another, and that, and that just leads me to another point here where it's like, there's a disconnect between her thinking that is going to be okay, or that's going to help. That's bad advice, number one. And then the second part of that is, you know, this teardown idea, right? Like, this is a full teardown. We're tearing everything down, we're ripping everything out, and we're, we're moving on. Well, are you? Did you really tear it down? Did you really overturn every... Because we asked Sheila when they fired Quinn and Patricia um, on the day. Like, are you going to fire Rod Wood, basically? And he was on the Zoom call with us. <laughs> okay, like, so it was super awkward. But we did. And she was like, "My, I do not intend to continue. You know, that's it. Matt and Bob are the, are the ones getting fired here. And so to me, like... A rebuild, teardown, is you're all gone. If you had anything to do with this, you're <laughs> out. That is not what this has been. And Colton, I would I would ask you first and foremost, like, a teardown, do you, when you came in here, all the things that we told you, Chris and I, you understood where this thing was at. But I, I would ask you, was there confusion or whatever about what the Lions were maybe selling there in that sense? And based on what we knew where the team was and based on where they seemed to be sort of letting people believe where this was going to go? Because it was a little weird, I think, back in the summer. I, I think people have a right to be a little upset uh, on to a degree on that. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it was hard knocks and, you know, people sure. watch that and they're going to get excited and think that their team can win more games than they're projected to and that more games than we were telling them they were going to win. Yeah. Um, but they definitely weren't like 
denying those like Campbell's talking about the playoffs a little bit in the in the preseason and you know I I don't know like I guess the the way I see it there were some disconnect between the expectations what they were saying yeah. if you're if you're if you're coming out now when you're one in five saying this was a right. tear down then you you had to say that back then they weren't really doing it exactly that. and I just when you're tearing something down to me that's the whole that's the whole thing when you're the owner and you're looking at the whole thing and it's like every single person that touches this has to be examined we talked to Campbell and Glenn about this a couple weeks ago right with the defense we're going back and we're looking at every single piece every guy that touches this defense we're gonna pull the hood back and we're gonna see what we got to do and they did like they they changed everything <laughs> like there was so much that changed in one week and we talk about Lions front office what did what, did you change anything beyond just a couple of you, – you brought in new football people? But there's other things throughout, little things here and there that always seem to add up, and people always ask these questions. Well, why is it always the Lions? And my, my answer is, is like, there's too many times over the years where we see these reactionary decisions, and then, you know, they get caught, and they don't know what to do. And I, I feel that this is where Sheila is at right now. She doesn't really know – what to say or do other than like, I'm sticking with the course and I think that message is fine and that's all well and fine. It's well intended, but like we can understand why people are like, I don't want to hear it from you. Yeah. And I pulled something up here, Colton, for us to read uh, today, a little, little story time. Uh, right. And I told you before, and this is a column uh, from uh, the one and only Mitch album, the day after uh, Matt Millen was hired in um, 2001, January, 2001. Okay, and I'm going to set the context for you because I know this is not necessarily all, you know, stuff that you know every detail of. And I think there's a lot of listeners that are younger that maybe don't know all of how this was. Okay, so this is two years, two seasons after Barry had quit, right, when Millen comes in. Barry quits. They go through a couple years. Gary Moeller takes the job. Remember Gary Moeller, the former Michigan coach who'd gotten let go there for the public drunkenness stuff. He goes away for a couple years is actually a very good football coach and takes a Charlie Batch-led patchwork team with a good young offensive line and some good young defenders uh, to a 9-7 and seven year in 2000 without Barry Sanders in a complete restart over. And they lose a game on the last second, on a last second field goal to the Bears, uh, and they lose a playoff spot on it, right? Mm-hmm. So they miss the playoffs by a game. And this is when... William Clayford decides we're blowing the whole thing up to hell with this. I've had it because the, the mood in Detroit at the time, and this is what I'm going to read for you. Okay. This is where, this is what album, uh, uh, leads us in here too. Okay. All right. You can, you can talk about Matt Millen's fitness as, and this is your, this is your 2000s reference. You can talk about Matt Millen's fitness as the fresh prince of Detroit football. <laughs> That's where Mitch starts this or coach Gary Moeller's suddenly shadowed future, but the big explosion, the bold type, uh, the bullets in this story are the men, who pulled the trigger, William Playford Jr., and particularly his father, William Playford Sr., who many believe was the only guy left in Detroit who wasn't fed up with where the with with the Lions, who wasn't fed up with the Lions, had finally gotten fed up. So again, I tell you, like everyone's furious. They're in the playoffs. They had Barry Sanders. Like it's back and forth. They're not a disaster yet, right? Yeah. It's not good. It is not good. But they're not a total disaster. And so he says, okay, everyone's had it. We're fed up. We lose this emotional game to the Bears uh, at the end of the season. So here's a quote from Bill Ford Jr. Initially, this was my idea, Bill Ford Jr. says, to hire Matt Millen and blow everything up. After the Lions announced Millen, a former player with no front office experience as their new president and CEO. But the final decision was Dad's. After we lost the Chicago game, Dad called me up and said, do you still have Millen's number? 
Mitch then continues, now Millen has theirs as the president, chief executive officer, and blah, 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 on we go. My point is, is bad advice has been happening here for a long time, Colton. Bad advice infiltrates yeah. the front, front, <laughs> the top office, and at some point, it has to stop. It has yeah. to stop, and the, and the fans do not want to hear that sort of thing from Sheila anymore, I don't think. And I again, I will say it's well-intended. I will say from the top, I will give her every opportunity to prove that she is different from all the other people that have tried and failed before her. But there has to be a, a more of an acknowledgement on her end to what these people have gone through here and what the fans have gone through and what they continue to, you know... They show up every time. Like, they'll be there on Sunday like yeah. for this Lions-Dolphins game. Not in droves, but the building will not be empty. And, you know, I get it. I get the frustration, and that is like... I, we were harder on fans, I think, last week when they were like, this is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. You need to fire all these guys. And it's like, calm down. But then, you know, then I see this yesterday, and I'm just like, no, come on. Like, now, I, now I'm back in the fans, <laughs> you know, on their boat, where I'm just like... Stop yanking them around. Like, you should have been honest with them the day you traded Stafford and brought Goff in here and tried to pretend that it was a quarterback-for-quarterback yes. quarterback swap. Stop yes. pretending. That's it, right? Like, I, that's that's the end of my soapbox. But if there's anything to add here, continue yeah. forward. I mean, I guess I would say, again, she was well-intentioned yeah. with, this, with this, you know, impromptu <laughs> discussion. Uh -huh. When she came out and spoke for about four minutes yesterday, we wish we would have had a little bit more time with her. Uh, but, right. She said, you know, I wish, I know you guys want to have questions for me. And it's like, well, she, she answered like four or five questions. didn't answer any. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Same answer for each one. But right. I, I mean, here's what I'll say. Like, I feel like Sheila is viewing this as like, this is my separate. hundred like, percent. Yeah. I was hired look, yes. officially yep. June, 2020. Um, yeah, that's fair. So I've had. A couple years into this, I already made a coaching change. I've already preached that you know we're we're trending in the right direction. We're going to give this coaching staff and this general manager a chance mm -hmm. um, to kind of see this through and and build the team that they see, you know, in their own in their own eyes, the way that they want it to. And I think that's all fair. But the problem is, she doesn't realize that these fans, like you're Ford, like right, right, you are right. part of this family that's owned this franchise forever. <laughs> right. We're not taking and that so off the table. Yeah. You <laughs> cannot separate yourself from everything else that this family has done for this franchise and done to mm -hmm. this franchise. And she's trying to separate herself, I think, in a, in a way. And that's why she can come out here and say the things that she says, like, be patient. No, that's the last thing anyone wants to hear from you. I'm sorry. Right. Like, I, <laughs> right. I know that's that you're well-intentioned, but like that is the last thing anyone <laughs> wants to hear from you. And yeah. I know she's trying to make herself available and transparent. And like we appreciate that as media. And she even said, like, absolutely. absolutely. You know, we're talking to you, but we're also talking to the fans because she understands that we're the ones totally. who kind of get the message out there. But I mean, at the same time, like. Then let's go inside I, and sit down. Like, yeah. Like, let's have a real conversation yeah. about like the state of the franchise, right. what you guys expected when you started this thing with these new guys and, and where you see it going. Like, let's, ha let's have a full on conversation instead of a four yeah. minute. I agree. Random, hey, come inside the practice facility and talk to us for four minutes before we send you out. And an yeah. obviously staged thing where we're, you know, we're, we know you're all going to be here today because it's the first, you know, it's Wednesday. It's a big, yeah. you know, they're all back out there and, you know, we got to be out there. So, like, yes, I mean, it was, it felt, 
it felt very college football-y, you know, where it's like you get the AD out there with the bullshit and it's like, well, you know, some of these fans are going to buy it and no matter what, it's fine, you know, whatever. And it just doesn't work up here, man. Like, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I'll bet you that the coaches were like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, we don't yeah. need this. Like, stop it. Like, because it's not necessary. It's like, it's, it that thing screams of, you know insecurity by from people around her yeah that need to tell you know people with loud voices that are always loud to shut up and it's like if you don't want to fire them don't fire them you're the owner of the team you don't have to but if you want to talk to us about whatever like you said Colton like we said this last two weeks ago and I totally stand by this she does not need to talk to people weekly or whatever like Jerry Jones yeah. does or some of these other owners even uh, do. But, like, having a standing every couple of months where we sit down with Sheila and we talk about how are things going, I feel like sh she should be open to that. I feel like she would be open to that. And I wonder sometimes if people around her are like, you can't be open to that. Because yeah. there are questions that we ain't going to answer to these people yeah. at the end of the day. And it's like, it's not transparency. You're, you're creating, the, when she says that, we want to be transparent with you. You're not being trans. You're you're creating a myth, basically, or a an illusion of transparency, yeah. and we can all see through that here. And it's just like, yeah, like, it's rough. If she comes out and speaks before the season, yes, and then that's has fair. a midseason update, and then after the season, and then maybe one other time in the off season, I, that's fine. Like that shows that you're at least being consistent in your approach, and yeah. you're not just like timing things out. Like the fact that she did this after their a one in five start, yeah. it's only week eight in the season. Some people are like, why is she? What's happening? Actually talking here? about yeah. like is that <laughs> yeah, right. some people that are in on Campbell? They're like, is that concerning that she's speaking? Yeah, and what the hell? She's like vouching for these guys after week eight and year two. Like that's concerning to me. Um, mm -hmm. But if she's doing this more consistently, like we got Brad Holmes before the season, right? Like why was yeah. Sheila just up there with them? You know, I don't understand why. Or, yeah, or came in after. Or, yeah, right. Or came exactly. in after and had her own discussion. Like, sure. I don't think that's hard to set up, and I think that I think she'd be that into would it too. kind of yeah. And it's like if she came out before the season was like. <clears throat> guys, this is a rebuild. Um, it's going to take time. And she said basically the same things that she said yesterday. Like, this is a teardown. Yeah. Um, we like where we're trending. We like some of the pieces we have. Um, it might be some time until we're back to where we want to be, but we see this going in the right direction. If she said that before the season, I think that would properly set expectations for what this should have been. And yeah. the fact that you're doing it now in week eight, it's kind of like, where was this before? Like you're doing this at one and five, you're just pissing people off. Like yeah. I don't fully understand it, but it's again, you know, I, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. Um, yeah, and I will say this: I'll add that you know uh, when, when they went through the regime change and they fired all the guys and started over, you know, when the media needed to get in get in contact with the, Sheila, basically about what's going on here. She was responsive, and I, I, I will always say that I, I there hasn't really been times, I don't think, where she's hidden or just been, like, impossible to find or whatever. Yeah. I don't think that's the case at all, actually. I think she really tries hard to be uh, present without being in your face, which is, which is hard to do, right? Like, that's not an easy thing to do. But, like, that's where it's, like, you got to lean on the people around you to give you better advice, and, like, that's where uh, that came up yesterday. And that's not the only time, Okay. Remember the Calvin thing last year? Remember that? Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, you, well, you weren't in there. For, were you there for that? You weren't there for that. I but I'm sure you heard it, about it. It was yeah. ridiculous. 
Yeah. They booed her out of the building, and I'm like, what did you think was going to happen? Everyone felt so bad for her, because it was just like, what else did you think was going to happen? Who told you this was going to be okay? And it's like, again, yeah. I see this, and I'm like, damn it. Like, you're a young owner, basically, in, in the in the scheme of things. You know, you're two years in, like you said, Colton, 2020 was the start. Trying really hard to make it like, this is, I am not my dad, I'm not my mom, I'm not my brother, I'm me. We all appreciate that and understand that, but like, j- then be you. Don't do this anymore. <laughs> don't don't stop doing the stuff that everybody else around here has done forever. And I think that that would be my advice after that one because it just it's not a big deal, probably at the end of the day, right? But like, yeah. it's stupid. It was dumb. It was kind of <laughs> lame. It was just like, and fans saw through it. I mean, did anybody come out of that yesterday? Did you did you get any reactions from fans that were like? Oh, it's, I feel better now. <laughs> like, I mean, I think most were like, what the hell is this? What are I we doing here? The, I, I did through the comment section of our quick yeah. story, and I think there were probably maybe five out of 90 <laughs> that were uh, understanding. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> about the true believers. Yeah. Right. yeah. I, and let's mention, like, the things that she was saying, like, we don't disagree. Like, No, this, they're all obvious things. Yeah, yeah right. that's the thing. And, like... Holmes and Campbell need more time. This was a teardown. Like the yeah. roster was not where it needs to be. Like we even did the the story about uh, where the roster was with the end of the Patricia era and Campbell now, like a few weeks yeah. ago, and it kind of highlights some of the areas where they still need to improve and where they still need to go. But all this was obvious, and yeah. it just really didn't need to be said by the owner at this point. But it I understand you want to come out and make yourself available and not act like you're you know, operating in the shadows when this team is struggling right. and the fans want to hear, maybe some of them want to hear from you. I understand that. But um, yes, if you're going to talk, totally say, something, say something a little bit more, say something a little bit more than the yeah. obvious. And, you know, she didn't really do that. So. Like, I think, I think Dave tweeted that yesterday. I, I agreed with that when he said like, you know, appreciate her coming over and talking to us. And I will always appreciate that. And it's yes. like, I yes. will never not appreciate that. And I think you, yeah, same thing. Everyone would agree with that. But you know, if we're going to do this, let's sit down and have like a conversation about not just, not just this, but like a bunch of shit. What of what else are you doing? Like she's on committees within, you know, within the NFL and she does other things like that sort of thing. Yep. That sort of thing is important. Like other owners do that. Other owners have relationships with, um, you know, in the league that other people know about and it leads to X, Y, and Z. And the Lions are just this closed off you know, frankly, in some cases, I think because they're afraid of what others will, (laughs) if they look inside and see what the hell's going on here. Mm. And it has to be, I just, I get, I appreciate the effort, but it, it, yeah, a lot of work needs to be done, (laughs) needs to be done. I think in that realm, because that probably didn't help anything. Okay. Let's take a break here. What do you say? And then we'll come back and uh, break down this game, both the good and the bad, because there's probably fair shares of both. Uh, And then we'll get into a little bit of uh, Dolphins here. So hang with us really quick. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, we're back to talk about some actual football, which is better than what we just talked about. (laughs) Lions 
Drop to one and five, Colton twenty four six, and we did promise the folks actually before we get into the game your first Jerry World experience segment, which oh, is important yeah. for everyone because this you know Jerry World. The, uh, what are the is it called AT and T Stadium? What the hell is it called? Now? Yeah, is yeah, that still what it is? I mean, it is a landmark. I think it is a, a United States like history. I mean, we love our football here. I think I saw. Vanini, Chris Vanini had that story yesterday about TV ratings or whatever, and like, yeah. what is it, like 75 of the top 100 shows in the, in the United States or football NFL games? So, Cowboy Stadium is like the first original spaceship, holy shit stadium. Everybody has to see it. It was your first time. What was your reaction, Colton? Tell the people. Yeah, uh, I guess pulling in with my Uber, like, I didn't realize it was a... <laughs> yeah. I'm looking up, I'm just like, damn, this thing's What big. is this thing? Yeah, yeah right. But also... I, I didn't realize there was like a Walmart across the street. Like that feels like random. Uh-huh. I was yep. just like, oh yeah, that's Arlington for you, baby. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is surrounded <laughs> in like a suburb. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you get inside, and I mean, don't get me wrong, it's massive. Like it's big yep. and beautiful, all all that stuff. But I don't know if it was you or someone else told me before that it feels a little too corporate, and I yeah. definitely felt that. I'll yeah. say that. Like when we, when yep. you get up to the press box, it's, it looks like an office setting, and I felt it really like, does. It I was the like first was one in, like that. Yeah. I feel like it was in the uh, Dunner Mifflin scram <laughs> up there. It's <laughs> like okay, um, the food is the food was incredible. The spread yeah. they had, um, you know, they had some some wings for us at halftime. That was nice. Yeah. Um, Did they bring the? Well, they bring the beer too after the game. Still, yeah, they, they had they beer on tap. Away. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they had some Miller out there. Um, got a couple as I was writing because <laughs> I needed it. After oh yeah, of course, yeah. Um, but Usually I mean, do. yeah, the stadium's like insane, like. It's one again. I've I've been to the what's the US Vikings Bank one. now, yeah, yeah the, right. the Viking Stadium now, and and Dallas, and those are two of the I guess the big five. Yep. I don't know how many there are. Atlanta are is also Atlanta, LA, SoFi. Chris has the story from last year when he got lost going to the bathroom and so okay. yeah. <laughs> and then the Raiders one I haven't been to yet. Yeah, so I, that, that looks really cool too. too. Yep, yeah. Allegiant or whatever. Yep. Yeah. So big big stadium. Uh, the game was actually pretty good up until the final like three minutes yep. there when the lines kind of imploded, but. Uh yeah, good trip overall. I, I yep. really enjoyed it. I got down there a day early just because I had some friends over there, um. Yep. So I got to see them. Had some great barbecue. Um, uh, always ha- yeah. Heim barbecue in Fort Worth. I got that one was recommended to me by uh David Ubbin. Shout out Ubbin. And that was just an incredible good stuff experience. Yep. Yeah, they had these Man, bacon bacon burnt ends. Oh my god, <laughs> it was incredible. That was like top five things I've ever tried. Like, There's, in my life. So I, I will good. say that I, I'm not a huge. I, the heat always kills me whenever I go down there for anything in that area. Okay, but the food down there is. I will give you that. Like yeah. the uh, Tex-Mex and the barbecue. And I, I mean, I can't. I always forget the name of. There's a Tex-Mex place, like one of the original. Okay, Fort Worth. Down, you know, area ones, and it's like you eat outside and like picnic tables and stuff, and it is like amazing. They bring, yeah. they make everything. Oh, I went yeah. to the TCU oh. game too. Ran. Oh, did you really? Oh yeah, wow! My buddy adopted. That was actually TCU a big game as, too, right? Yeah, TCU K State. My buddy, like, I, yeah, they're good. He's from my high school in Illinois, but he like moved down there Max earlier Duggan, this year yeah. and adopted TCU as his like college team. <laughs> I love it. So we got tickets for like twenty bucks and uh, got to see a pretty good game there. So. That was probably jumping in there. That's like oh, that was, was a. Pretty good game, wild. yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, not a bad little trip for you. Better than the <laughs> better yeah. than the Lions trip in any event. But this game, Colton, of course, uh, you know, I had a feeling that the defense would respond. I just, I did. Um, we talked about this and that it was going to take a little bit for them to make the adjustments that they needed to make, uh, and they needed that buy to probably do it. Um, and I had a feeling the defense would respond for a few reasons, like 
I knew, we talked about earlier, and Campbell admitted this to the media yesterday, straight up. He did not mince words at all. And he said, like, we had to adjust on our plan because of where the roster is based on where we thought it would be. So, like, that's literally what was happening with with the defense. I mean, Aaron Glenn changed everything that they were doing, changed the way they were playing blocks up front, changed some guys' positions, basically, and changed rotations and everything else. Um, and I think we saw a benefit. I think we saw some guys get healthier. Uh, we saw some guys come back. Uh, and you saw that same effort that we see every week, right? The guys playing and flying to the ball no matter what. But I think that when you tweak a little thing here and there, you put Okuda in the box, uh, you you get Pascal back, you you know you let Hutchinson rush off the weak side. You're being more contained up front and less worried about just blowing stuff up. You know, like we talked about, they could be sneaky okay against the run, and that's I think what we saw. They forced Prescott to beat him. He was his first game back. You know, he was a little shaky, and you're right in the game. And I think that that's a recipe that probably can be replicated if they play well, right? I mean, it yeah. was an encouraging day in general, I would say, defensively. I wonder how much has to do with the Cowboys' kind of heavy personnel that they use. Um, Probably. How much you can do that on a weekly basis. But I think there are a lot of things you could take from that game and be like, this was a positive. We can try to replicate this going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, the Josh Pascal question is, is kind of interesting because he played pretty well in that game, I thought. Like a pretty good Very debut. Well. Um, and he was filling in on the edge for Charles Harris, who again didn't practice this week, or at least on Wednesday. Yesterday, yeah. we'll, we'll see about Thursday's practice. Um that might be an interesting question. Like, at the very least, you can kind of rotate those guys. Like, Pascal might be better in the run game than, than Charles is. 100%, yeah. Um, so you can kind of flip-flop those guys based on the situation, maybe. Um, Keep them fresh, too. For sure. Uh, Kaminsky getting in there I thought was good, too. Like, he was back from the wrist injury. Letting Aiden, again, rush off the mm-hmm. weak side. Also standing up. And standing kind of up get, now? Hey, he looked shit, a lot more I guess comfortable. it was... Uh, these people weren't lying. Honestly, like, I was kind of like, why is it Matt? Just let him do what he, yeah. Well, but, yeah. Hey, if it works, it works. And Todd Walsh and said I, that yesterday. And yeah. I will say this. Now, I they're right in that, like, he's going to have to figure out how to, you know, you give up stuff with the run in that. But we forget sometimes that he is a really good, flexible, bendy athlete. So he can still recover and get under people. The, the most important thing, though, is that he's getting into his rush package faster when he's standing up. Like, yeah. I think we can all see that. Like, we saw that spin, I think, twice yeah. come out of the stand-up. Uh, we saw that stutter step outside that he does. Like, that looked more like the Aiden Hutchinson that we saw at Michigan last year. 100%. And less, right? Yeah. And I think that, so there's something to that, right? Letting guys be more comfortable with their stuff. Okay, keep keep going. No, I was, I was going to say, I think they had him rushing wider, too. Which yeah. Which allowed him to work his way back on that spin move. Um, yeah, give yourself a little more space to make a move, right? Yeah. Also on that sack, people didn't really mention it, but Ali McNeil had some great pressure up mm-hmm. the middle, which stopped Dak from stepping up in the pocket and letting him just fall for Aiden. So yep. that that helped, too. And that's what we talked about, like these guys working, in, working together, um, working in unison to kind of get to the quarterback, which when you have some guys out, it's a little tougher to do. But now that they're a little bit closer to full strength, you're seeing some of the things they can do. And you're seeing this development from Aiden, which is good to see. Um you see Jeff in the box playing more. Like that oh. was a great wrinkle that they added. Like a yeah. great wrinkle. And he looks so comfortable. And it also begs the question, like <laughs> okay, which you've been saying go. for years. We can, <laughs> if you want to get to it now, we can. Yeah, no, Te- it's, that's the perfect time. Tell us your thoughts on, on Jeff Akuda, because you've been saying this for a while. Yeah. And what did you see from that game from him? Well, I mean, it was really cool to see finally, uh, first of all, because you know, I 
I understand, and I've always understood why it's like, you know, the hard line of like, just, I used to say, of course, I think he could be a really good safety in the NFL. I understand the hard line of like, we don't want to just yank him out of the corner spot and make him a safety and just completely switch everything. I also understand him wanting to prove that he can be a corner in the NFL and wanting all those things. And I think that when you look back at Jeff Okuda's career, he was a high school safety. Uh, people have brought that up on Twitter this week, but you know, that was well documented back then. He was a terrific high school defensive back who did everything, actually. If you go back, uh, I've actually, I did a story with his high school coach years ago. Um, he was known as a guy basically who did exactly what we just saw him do in this game. Jeff, for his high school team, did everything but drive the bus and cook dinner. It was like, make every tackle, defend every pass. If they need you to rush the passer, you do it. You're the best athlete we have. Go be an athlete and hit people. Like that's when he's at his best. Go play instinctive football. And he gets to college and they tell him, you've got to be a corner because you're long and that's how you're going to get picked. And, you know, that was correct. He was a number three draft pick, but like the game shifts and changes and and all this. And when I see Jeff Okuda, I see a guy who's 10 pounds lighter than Jamal Adams, who could be 10 pounds heavier and be like Jamal Adams. Like I see a guy who could be a hybrid defender who can walk out and play in coverage when you need to do that, but can also line up in the box and be an extra linebacker and be a guy in modern football who, if he's playing at 215 and not 205, you know, what is he? Six one right now, right? Six foot, six one. Jeff's a good size yeah, dude he's tall, yeah. with a good frame. I, you know, he's faster than a guy like Jamal Adams is right now. I don't think 10 pounds of muscle is going to kill his speed. Um, I think he's such a good he's done such a good job of taking care of his body. I think, in fact, that maybe you could even make him more explosive if you add more power in certain areas, right? Like, mm-hmm. I just I just look at that and I think like he's too good of a run fitter to just not have that be part of his part of his life now. I guess like, and I don't know what that is, but it's like to me that's really cool and it should be looked at for him as a cool thing. And I don't want people to look at it as, and because we talked about this the other day, if you move him or you change his role, like now suddenly um, you need another corner. Yes, that's true. But like, I you need like two more anyway. <laughs> I think you need like two more yeah. anyway and another safety, frankly. So that all aside, to me, the real thing that we saw there was the Lions' number three pick in 2020 finally looking like a guy who could like help you get off the field. And man alive, was that cool? I don't know, like 15 tackles. I don't know if he had any past breakups in this one. Who cares? He made plays all over the field. They could not do what they wanted to do against him, clearly. Yeah. Golden, like, I don't think you guys have talked to him this week or whatever. And I think Aaron Glenn's talking later today, but like, mm-hmm. hard to hard to argue with this one. Looked pretty good. Best game he's had, clearly, as a pro. Yep. Campbell said the same thing, and I tend to agree. Um, he was all over the place. You could tell early, too. He was, he was locked in, ready to go. Yep. I asked Campbell on Monday, you know, what do you guys see from him in practice when you kind of came to him with this new role idea? They're like, oh, he was all for it. Mm-hmm. I guess he talked to Aubrey Pleasant in the bye week and said that he had some things he wanted to work on. Yeah. Want to get a little bit more involved. They came to him with this game plan, like, let's put you in the box a little bit more. And he took to it. And you saw him on the first tackle he had. Uh, he's getting up. He's celebrating. He's, like, locked in, energized, yeah. all that stuff. I think that set the tone for the defense when they're seeing a guy like that who missed all of last year. Like, those guys – feel for him for what he's been through in his career like all these expectations of the number three overall pick then you tear your Achilles and people are doubting you like yeah this locker room supports him and so to see a guy like that play the way he did especially early I think that kind of set the tone for the day defensively um but man you watch him fly around the field these run fits like it there's was the cool. one where he came across the field on I think he tackled Noah Brown yeah um 
on that uh the jet sweep or whatever. He comes, he flies across, follows his man, and makes a tackle for like a two yard gain. That's yeah. when I was like, all right, That's money, man. He yeah. lit up Zeke a couple times, like. They had him playing linebacker next to Yeah, like he's going to do it. And, he doesn't care. Like, and Malcolm, he, he's like, yeah. oh, there he is. All right, let's get him. Some Ohio you, State on Ohio State violence there. But. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Um, I think it was like Bugs had said something in the locker room about after Walker got hurt. Like, yes. you're missing a guy now who has that voice of like, and we talked about this, like a guy who's playing well, who has the voice of like, hey, man, like, let's keep going. Like, don't give up on me right now. And the one of the brightest spots of that whole game, I thought, was when Kirby Joseph dropped that interception and Okuda ran over to him and was like, we're still doing the handshake yep. or whatever, right? We're still celebrating that you made a play. We're not going to qu- uh, cry and whine that we dropped a pick or f- feel sorry for ourselves. When I saw him do that, I was like, "There, okay, like there's something clicked somewhere along the way for some of these young guys. Some of these guys got healthy, but I feel like we probably saw something with you know, Glenn and Pleasant and some of the coaches going to the young guys, maybe specifically and being like, we are going to trust you now. Yeah. We're putting this in your hands. Don't fuck us over. <laughs> right. Like, and I think that we saw a response uh, in terms of, I don't know what you'd call it, but like guys just, they, they have not had an effort problem, but it's been more focused, more whatever you want to call it. Uh, and they played better. I mean, they did, they played against a really good team. Um, and did enough to win, frankly, I think defensively, yeah. which is crazy based on what we'd seen from them three weeks prior, but also not something that I don't think either of us thought was impossible. You didn't think that was impossible, like, right? No, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, we just wanted to see the adjustment phase. Like, that's, yeah. we were preaching that, like, all right, you're bad for four games. You have right. this fifth game in New England. You don't really have a lot of time to change things on the fly. You have a full-on bye week to kind of figure things out. Let's see what you do after that. If it's still bad... Then we could have a discussion about this coaching staff. But mm-hmm. that was a great first step. We saw the changes. They worked in game. Like the execution was there. Players understood their assignments. Like all of it kind of worked in, in harmony there. And again, like I think they trusted their young guys because their yeah, young guys are the best players on this defense. They right? are. Yeah. It's time to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you look at even Aleem. Like I think you mentioned maybe a few weeks ago that Aleem – it's probably hurt by not having Levi out there, but yeah. I still think he's had a solid year. You see Aiden, oh, yeah. his win rate, win rate in that game was 25%. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a career high for that's, him. That, that's an elite number, too. That's, that's like, what you want. That yeah, was top right. 10 for all edge defenders in week seven. Yep. Um, you see Kirby get the almost interception. He's kind of down himself. Guys pick him up. He comes back later, forces that fumble oh, yeah. near inside the, the 20, inside the 10 maybe. Yep, that stopped Dallas. Like, that stopped Dallas from scoring right before the half and keeps you up play. six to three. That was a huge play. Yep. Malcolm's still out there doing his thing. He's the best linebacker on this team. Um, and then again, Jeff and these other guys, Pascal getting in there. Like these young players are what's going to take this defense um, to the next level. If they like down the, not only down the road but this year, if they can kind of find some mm-hmm. consistency here, it's going to be because of those young guys. And I think the coaching staff finally understands that and. You know, you're already one in five. So what's what's the worst that can happen? Screw it. You yeah, might as well right. get those guys yeah. out there, get them the experience. If you think these yeah. guys can be core players, just you know, get them out there now. There's yeah, no and then leave saying. them there and yeah. let them just go through this together, right? That's like why I think Brockers that, got got yeah. benched and got, was yeah. active. That's a great. And, yeah. and I think that that's people asked about that. Like, what's what's that going to mean for Brockers going forward? And I think the answer is, well, I mean, all all due respect to Michael Brockers, I think they like him as a person, and I know they do. But um, what it means for Michael Brockers as a player going forward is not really the Lions' concern. Like, that's not – they don't care. I mean, because he's not going to be here. 
going forward. Somebody else is going to be in his job. And it's, yes, you're right, Colton. And it's like, you, we saw them take that jump. And for for Josh Pascal to show up and make plays was a huge deal. Like, uh, I mean, I think we talked in the Slack, like, like it's Glenn wiping tears away from his eyes over there after the first couple snaps. And he <laughs> saw that Pascal actually made a couple plays and it wasn't like yeah. a disaster. I mean, because right there you're like, well, this is it, kid. If you suck, we are totally sunk because there was nobody else behind him, you know, like, Romeo's still hurt and all this. Yeah. But, my God, what a huge answers the bell. Hutchinson shows up, the whole thing. And now, like you just said, you put Hint, Pascal, Hutchinson, McNeil, uh, Julian, Malcolm, uh, Okuda, Kirby, and whatever. Mm-hmm. That's your core. Let them grow together. Leave them out there. Let them just learn and do their thing. And, and you su- surround them with guys that are supporting cast and whatever you figure out as you go. But I think that finally, now, maybe, the defense has some guys to hold, like some pillars. They're not strong ones, but you can put some sticks (laughs) in the ground, maybe, right? It's just like, I feel like we're getting closer to that, right? Like, that's not crazy to to say. And we just needed to see that, like you said. We just needed to see them go play like that. And now we need to see it again, of course. But, like, we're going to need to see it several more times. And it's going to suck a couple times, too, I'm sure. But they need to go do it all now together. And I think that that's what we maybe discovered, that they finally found that group. If they can be consistent, and, you know, that's not saying only give up, like, 10 points through the final two minutes or whatever. But if they can play a solid game um, from start to finish, like, every single week or at least most weeks with that young core, you'd feel really good about that, no matter what the record is. And then you think about the draft and these pieces you can add, like... They could use a quarterback or three, right? <laughs> like, yeah, or four. De- depending what happens with, with Jeff and where they want to yeah. put him. Uh, there are some good corners in this class. I know Christian Gonzalez, yeah. like Joey Porter. Every Jr., year, man. Keely Ringo, <laughs> yeah. So you can get one of those guys and then uh-huh. add some other pieces defensively. And all of a sudden, I think they're back on track. And it's not let's, – let's say this too. You got to spend some money in free agency now. Like, you got it. Yes, you do. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. it's time. And, and, you know, we mentioned this earlier, but like – Sheila was asked about, oh, why are the Jets and Giants rebuild like further along yeah. than the Lions right now? The Giants had some pieces, right? Like they had a mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley. They had some defensive guys over there that could make Absolutely, for they a did. good yeah. turnaround. They cut some good players on that team. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then you have the Jets. The Jets drafted a bunch of defensive dudes, right? Like yep. they, they built this young core of, of guys they expect to win with. And the Lions are kind of doing the same thing. But they're probably a couple years behind where the Jets were when they started this thing. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And like... Also, the Lions are going to play both these teams. I don't think they're as good as their record. I don't know if you agree. No, they're five and two <laughs> and six and one, and it's like the these are Giants. Not- the Giants are like one of the best coach teams that we've seen in the last like several years in the NFL. Like yeah. Brian Dayball is doing otherworldly things, and his entire offensive staff is doing the same thing. But like you said, Colton, like they have a good defense. Like they have good players yeah. over there. Yeah. The Jets are like living on a prayer and like yeah. <laughs> bubble gum. I mean, like they won a game on an onside kick and scored a touchdown after it. Yeah. Okay, like that does not happen. Like yeah. that's not a thing. And so, I just want to say, like, if you're a Lions fan, like, do you really want that? I know you want to see wins. I know that, but like, think about where you are realistically yeah, right now. Right, you're not ready right. to contend for a Super Bowl at all. No, like nowhere no. close. Jesus. So what? No. Like, if, why are you wanting to see a five and two start out of nowhere where <laughs> you're just lowering your draft position? And you can't get a guy that can eventually get you there, you know? Right. Like, yeah. And that's where we're going what with this want. next segment because as we pivot to the offense, uh, Chris and I did a story with Austin Mock this week on the 
projected draft order, uh, if the season were to end today, obviously the Lions would have number one pick. Our projections have them at two, uh, based on the remaining schedule and everything else. Um, and the conversation, I wrote it, it starts with like, well, if the Lions are in the top two, they have to take quarterback. There's no question about it. And yeah. I frankly think uh, it was up in the air for me over the first several weeks of the season because golf had been playing better. Um, but I got to tell you, the last couple, every time they've needed him to deliver, he has not. And he has done the opposite and he has helped cost them games. And it's like... No, I mean, I, I just, I still am probably at the spot where I was two weeks ago, if you'd asked me, I was probably pivoting on the whole, like, maybe they got to hold on here, take a quarterback later and use, if they get that first or second pick, take Anderson or something, right? Like, do, yeah. take a defensive player. I don't know. Maybe they need more help there. But, you know, as time has gone on, uh, no, I still think I'm in the, like, you've got the two first rounders. I don't care where you fall. Go get one of those guys because, you know, I think Bryce Young, I think you and I agree right now that we would yeah. take Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. But I like C.J. Stroud. I do. I like a lot about C.J. Stroud. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, well, he's an Ohio State quarterback, so he'll <laughs> suck no matter what. I like a lot about C.J. Stroud, and he's, like, super young. These two dudes, Colton and Levis, too, is in there somewhere. There are guys that you could take in this class right now that can be part of this rebuild and get you going and let let's get get moving now enough of this shit with a guy who's 27 or 28 who's throwing interceptions okay i think we have it's 20 games so unless we see a crazy jump from Jared Goff over the next whatever that's the conversation that this whole thing is going to be about for the next several weeks is like who are you drafting at quarterback Brad <laughs> because like now by not taking one last year like we've discussed you know, and the way he played the other day and the way that we continue to see, I mean, the interceptions that he threw, inexcusable. Yeah. You know, the turnovers, inexcusable. The inability to to deliver in tight spots when they need you to, inexcusable. I just I just don't, you know, it's not for lack of effort. It's not for lack of trying. I just don't think he's a, he's the guy. And I think when we look at it right now, it's going to take a lot for him to probably change my mind. I don't know if I'm in the minority on that. And I probably, I get yelled at a lot for being too hard on him, but I just, that's where I'm at with it. I don't know. Where are you at with it? The thing with the golf conversation, um, like the way he was playing the first four games, like that was really encouraging, and it, and it, it honestly changed the conversation. And you see how bad the defense was. I think the natural talking point was, well, yeah, you got to go defense, but mm -hmm. and I will say he's had DeAndre Swift out, you know, yeah, man, DJ Chark out, St. Brown has been in and out of the lineup. I understand that, and it's certainly affected his play, understandably so. Um, but we're talking about the long term picture here. And Goff is already 27-28. Uh, he's not a very mobile quarterback, as is. He's only mm. going to get slower as he yeah, gets older. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. You see him trying to spin away from these sacks like he's... That's not Jalen, working. Jalen Hurts. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you think, man, but, like, you got to get rid of the ball or do something else. I understand yeah. the pressure is not your fault, but right. you can't spin we can, out we and keep your eyes downfield yeah, and right. whatever. It's not going to work, man. Like, you don't have that skill set. Right. And when you're talking about the Lions in the future, they are... A young team that probably needs a young quarterback to grow with. I and think so. if you get a guy like Bryce Young, and I know there are a lot of golf defenders on our site, but yeah. if you are able to get a guy like like Bryce Young, you pair him with his college receiver, Jameson Williams, right? St. Brown. Uh the fact that And that can, offensive line. And that offensive line. Like that's a great oh situation. My God. That's a probably you couldn't probably drop a better no. situation for a rookie quarterback 
coming in to a no. team that's going to be drafting that area. That's the Absolutely. best scenario Absolutely. for one of these rookie quarterbacks in this class. The offensive line, the weapons they have at receiver, and the running the run game. Probably the best one you'd see in a minute here in a couple yeah. years, frankly, yeah. right? Yeah, like there's a guy that can step in and. Do, probably do what golf was doing in the first four games and also give you a little bit more mobility with if it's Bryce, you know, yeah. he is so good and so fun to watch. Like he's a magician out there because that, that Alabama, Alabama team is not very good right now. Um, the offense, at least around <laughs> no. him, he saved the receivers, are dropping, receivers mm-hmm. are dropping balls. The offensive line is not good and he's just out there balling. And I think people see the Alabama logo and like, well, yeah, they should be good. But yeah, watch these games a little closer. Bryce is a different Mac Jones. Team. Yes. Well, no, I mean, I agree. You make up such a good point there where it's like, you know, this isn't like when the Lions drafted Stafford after going 0-16 and they have nothing on the the team and he's number one and he's got to go play behind like me and you up front and get hit nine million times. Like that's not it. That's not that's the this is the opposite of that. Yeah. You are bringing you're going to be if you go this route, you're bringing in a young quarterback and putting putting him behind you know, a top 10, 5, whatever offensive line, certainly one of, if not the best young offensive line in football. Um, you know, we haven't even touched on Panay here. We'll get to him in a second. But like, yeah, I mean, you're you're at a spot now where it just makes too much sense. It makes yeah. too much sense not to do it. You've got young receivers. you got young linemen. you got young back. What are we doing? Like, let's get this thing moving in the right direction and, and moving in a direction together where we can understand it. Because now what you've got is you've got a bunch of guys looking up at a veteran quarterback who's making a lot more money than them, making horrible decision after horrible decision when the game's on the line. And we're all supposed to take the blame, apparently, I guess. But you know, he's the one fumbling it here and making $28 yeah. million dollars or whatever the hell it is. So that's where I'm at with it. And, uh, you know, I, it's going to take a lot for that to change. Uh, I did want to talk about Sewell, though, before we get out of here, because mm. we touched on that before this game as Sewell versus... Parsons was going to be a big deal, and it was a big deal because Dallas kept him away from Panay as much as they could. I think I I could have been wrong. My unofficial count was eight head-up pass rush deals uh, between the two, and Sewell won seven of them. Parsons got the one pressure, but that was Goff's fault because he, like, spun directly into him. <laughs> like, yeah. and so it was like, okay, that's not Sewell's fault. But how would you think uh, – Panay held up. I know you went back and watched everything there. You wrote about a little bit of that uh, this week. Yeah. No, he looked really good. Um, I think uh, Trevor Sakema at PFF had uh, Sewell and Parsons matched up on 12 of the 32 pass snaps. Yeah. But they weren't always you yeah. know, directly going at it, I guess. But right. um, I think you're I, – I watched like a cut-up of those two going at it. I think it was mm-hmm. eight or nine. So I think you're probably – Somewhere right in there. there. Yeah, there might yeah. have been one or two I missed. Yeah. And honestly, Sewell locked him up for the most part. Like, yep. I didn't see Parsons really getting home. Like, all of Parsons' damage, and he still had a great game. It came against Decker. It came against Evan or Brown. Or up the middle, yeah. Or right. up the middle, maybe against the back that was trying to jam him or something. Like, Parsons was doing some damage, but it wasn't against Sewell. And no. that was, like, the matchup that I wrote about going into the game. Um, Sewell kind of relished that challenge against going against a dude like that. Um he probably never say it, but he probably hears some of the stuff out there about, oh, well, looking back in hindsight, they should have drafted Oh, Parsons. yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure he, he hears that and he knows about it. And he's just like, oh, all right, yeah. all right, bet. Like, watch this. <laughs> and he went out there and he did this thing. And, like, that uh-huh. was so good to see. And that just yeah. reaffirms, like, they've got some pieces, man. They they, they do. really like, do. Sewell is a franchise pillar. And mm-hmm. you get more of those guys in here, you can start to see this thing go in the right direction. And, I mean... 
what like yeah. what 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 a game for Sewell. Like that was that was yeah. great to see. And in, in a big spot against the Cowboys, right? Like a lot of people are going to be watching against Parsons, and they're already scheming against away from you, right? Yeah. They'd already rather he go up against the veteran and Decker, who is a good player, than you. And again, like you say, Colton, it's just, it's more and they and they had to work their ass off to get him any pressure in this game. They you know and they do a great job. Quinn's an amazing coach, yeah. but they did. They had to move him around and stunt him and loop him, and he had all sorts to get him against Evan Brown. There were a few times where he did line up against Panay, and then he slants inside and he doesn't go against Panay. Right, so it's yeah. like. Um, they did a lot to get him to get him home because this is a good front. Like it's a good front, and I think, like you just said, we haven't even seen Jamison. I guess you know Campbell said yesterday a month maybe, and then again they still hope to play him this year. All signs are that he's going to play football. Yeah, in a game before the year ends, and because again, like you said, long term is the bigger deal here. They have exciting, good, young pieces on this team. I was disappointed that Swift didn't play. I will say that. I'm surprised. I, yeah. I, I don't want to say one thing or another, but that's not good for his injury or whatever else. I thought we would see him out there, and I think if we did see him out there in that game, I think we would have seen more points on the board because like some yeah. of the holes in the lanes that these guys are creating like offensively, yeah, six points was not a... Not a that was Goff's fault, and the fact that Swift wasn't in the game that's and, why they and you can't fumble at the one either. That's the other that's thing. yeah, and yeah. and the stuff that we talk about every week you can't have the critical fount, you know, organizational error at the absolute worst goddamn time every single week. And it's never like, lost a fumble yeah, right. up until that moment. That's just so perfect. So, you know, that's one of those things that you just have to that's the old gamble doing the pants, all the stuff in the pants again. Yeah. There's more in there apparently to come out, but I don't know. It's like it, that that was another one of these games where it's going to be hard to sell to the fans now um because you've you know, they're just they've lost some games that they should have won, but like yeah, fans aren't going to want to hear a lot going forward as much about we saw some good things in there in that loss. And I get that, but like we saw some good things in that loss, Colton. I mean, like we did. We yep. saw uh, from players that are going to be here going forward. Yes, that's what I told people when we when we went through this last year, and when every game was hopeless, right? Where it was like, just watch the guys who you know are going to be here in four years, and if they played well, then the game is a net positive. We're not quite at that spot still, but we kind of are. Like so, if. Sewell has a great game, and Dokuda has a great game, and Malcolm plays well, and Aiden plays well, and all these, and they still lose. Well, shit. Maybe they'll have help next year. Yeah. I think that's that's about it, all we can do at this point. Yeah, if they were like three and three right now, and like the NFC North is still up for grabs, then then I would be like, well, they should try to win and see what can happen. Yeah. Now I'm at a point where it. like they're one in five. Like if, if you're a Lions fan, you should be rooting for the Let's best. Let's see some growth at this point. Yeah. See, while also seeing growth in players. Like someone tweeted yeah. at me. I think yesterday and said, if you ask me <clears throat> uh, if I'd rather see a Lions loss where all the young players played well or a Lions win where all the young players played like shit, yeah. I would take the former. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. A Lions win where Brockers led the way. No offense to Brockers, no. but no, I don't want no. to see that. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think that's where we are right now. Like, I, I know it's tough to watch, and you know I, I do think these, they're going to win some games here, like down the stretch, and even maybe too. even the I think they'll surprise stretch, some people. Yeah, the Packers aren't good. I don't, you know, no. they're they're beatable. 
Uh, the Bears are very beatable still. Right, like, yeah. I know they had a good game against New England, but like that's not a world beater out there. So like there are some games on the upcoming schedule that I think they can win. I don't know if that's what you want at this point, but yeah, yeah. it might no. calm some people down and you know probably yeah. say, okay, Campbell Campbell's gonna do his thing. We, he just needs more time. And if they finish with six wins, like that's where I had them before the season. So I think that's still that's be in line with expectations, yeah. and you still get a top ten pick that way. So we'll and see. I think I think my final point in all this would be that I don't want to ignore because it's fair, um, and that sometimes I get accused of. And rightly so by overlooking it. It's that Campbell needs Dan Campbell needs to be better, way better in game, yep. way friggin' better. Like I mean, these mistakes and decisions and things and whatevers that we see from him like have to be done and over and buried. And like the 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 finding a center, a balance, or whatever. Like we talk about every week. Like that stuff has to start improving too because. I I do like the staff that he's put together. I do like the culture that they're building. I do like the rapport that they have with their players. Um, I think you can see that the players like playing for the guys that they play for by and large. I, I mean, I don't know if it's every single guy across the board, but I think for the most part, we see a good response. When the, guy, when the coaches ask for something in return, they get it. You know, we see, you know, can you dig deep for me? Okay. So I like all that. Um but it's the same thing that I go back to with these coaches that are heavy, heavy players coaches, and Campbell is. It's like, you got to be, like, tight, tight. Like, you can't make mistakes ever because you're let, you're giving these guys room to be themselves, and you're giving them room to freelance a little bit sometimes, and that's great and amazing, and I love that. And I think I, I hope that stays forever, but, like, God damn it, you can't make mistakes on the back end. That's why where you have to clean up all the, all the stuff that might leak through because – Hey, maybe he's taking a chance on this and what you want him to take a chance on that, right? But you have to get his back on the other side and you can't cost your team games anymore. And I think that that's the stuff where people have every right to be frustrated with Campbell and like he has to prove it now going forward. We cannot see any more what's like what are you doing? Like we can't see any more of the what are you doing right now with like decisions and I feel like we have seen two or three of those every week this year and it has to stop. And like yeah. that's the one thing I didn't want to get out of here without touching on that. And he has admitted that every single time, and I don't want to say otherwise. But, you know, yeah, I, I like the staff. I do. I, I like the makeup of it. I like the build of it. I think it's got potential. I think all these guys individually have futures in the game. But, like, it's got to come together, too. You know, it's got to work in the now for it to really matter. So Yeah. yeah. I agree with you. In any event, uh, Lions-Dolphins this weekend... Uh, a super interesting game. I am. Is Tua playing? Do we know? Tua? Yeah, I think he yeah. should. Yep. Okay, so this is going to be a really interesting game because the Dolphins have a lot of fun players. Um, they're young, too, and I think this is winnable. I think, actually, I saw a stat the other day, Colton LaFly. The Dolphins haven't won in Detroit since 2006 or something. Oh. Which oh, I no. was like, how the hell has that <laughs> happened? I think Harrington, the Joey Harrington game is oh. the last time. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, expect to see Joey Harrington's picture on your television screens this oh, yeah. Sunday, like, what, 86 times, I imagine? Mm -hmm. In any event, uh, Dolphins, Lions this weekend, we'll be there to break it all down, uh, and then will be back next week to talk about it. Uh, for Colton, I am Nick. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon.